welcome to Living Your Legacy. My name is Liz Cribbs, and I'm a senior strategist on the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team here at UBS. The mission of our group is to serve as a thought partner for exceptional families. We understand that our clients' needs extend beyond the purely financial, so we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing their wealth for continuity. Part of this is working with our clients and their families to help them articulate and implement a legacy. We believe that legacy is built in everyday decisions, actions, and in achieving goals, philanthropic and otherwise. Through our dialogue, we hope to inspire and guide clients to explore their purpose and begin building their legacy. I'm so excited to share that our guests today, and we have two of them, so this is really special, are Liz Levitt-Hirsch and Sharon Yazowski. Liz is board president of the Mortimer and Mimi Levitt Foundation, and Sharon is its founding executive director. The Levitt Foundation is truly a remarkable example of a mid-sized private family foundation that is making a big impact in communities. Levitt has a focused mission to strengthen the social fabric of America by leveraging the power of free live music to bring people of all ages and backgrounds together to create more equitable, healthy, and thriving communities. Through its commitment to creative placemaking, its grant-making, and research, the Levitt Foundation partners with nonprofits across the country to activate underused public spaces, such as neglected parks, vacant downtown lots, and former brownfields, to create joyous, inclusive community destinations. Liz and Sharon, welcome to Living Your Legacy. Thank you for having us. It's great to be here. Let's start with you, Liz. Can you give us a brief history of the Levitt Foundation? I'd be delighted, and thank you, Liz, for that lovely introduction. My parents, Mortimer and Mimi Levitt, founded the Levitt Foundation in 1966 to support the arts, culture, and education. My father was the son of Eastern European immigrants. He grew up poor. He made his fortune in the 1930s and 40s with the success of his clothing company, The Custom Shop, which some of you may remember. The company was known for its custom-made shirts for men. I definitely remember it, Liz. You know, it is amazing how many people remember The Custom Shop. My mother grew up in Vienna, where the arts were a way of life. Inspired by my mother Mimi's love of the arts, My parents became patrons of the arts in New York City, supporting theater, music, and nurturing the careers of emerging artists. In the 1960s, my parents bought a summer home in the town of Westport, Connecticut. Then, in the 1970s, my parents were approached to support the creation of an outdoor band shell for live concerts. The project would transform the town dump into a community gathering space. My parents were the largest private contributors. Then on opening night in 1974, the acting mayor announced to the audience, welcome to the Levitt Pavilion. My parents were blown away. They had no idea this was coming. Wow, what a story. I know, isn't it? Over the years, my parents 
stayed involved with the Westport Levitt Pavilion, serving on the board, hosting benefits, and inspiring their friends to support the Levitt. Keeping the concerts free at the Levitt Pavilion was very important to my father. Years later, when my father sold the custom shop in 1997, which by that point was a national chain of retail stores, he went into legacy mode. Dad transferred the proceeds of the sale into our family foundation. The impact of presenting music free to the public at the Westport Levitt Pavilion inspired my family to lay the groundwork for a national network of Levitt venues. Two years later, my father asked me to lead the development of Levitt venues across the country. I hit the ground running and within three years built relationships, garnered community support, and played a key role in the opening of the Levitt Pavilion in Pasadena, California. With my father's passing two years later, in 2005, the reins of the Family Foundation were handed to me. I continued conversations with communities across the country. Three of those communities developed into Levitt venues, Los Angeles, Memphis, and Arlington, Texas. Now, over the past two decades, the Levitt Foundation has helped local nonprofits bring thousands of free outdoor concerts to millions of people nationwide in grants totaling more than $20 million. This year, more than 500 free Levitt concerts are being presented in 25 towns and cities across the country with audience totaling over three quarters of a million. Wow. Thanks so much, Liz, for that background. It sounds like it's been an incredible journey, and those are huge and real numbers. I want to go back to one of the things you mentioned. After your dad's passing, the reins of the Family Foundation were handed to you. As you made that transition, how did you find your own path? He was used to being in charge and was often attached to his vision, be it in business or philanthropy. When I took over the reins of the Family Foundation, I was, let's just say, the yin to my father's yang. I understood that for our philanthropy to be impactful, leadership had to come from within the community. I made it a priority to listen, to be open to adjusting expectations based on what I was learning from conversations with people, with communities. Being tasked with building a network of Levitt venues across the country, I recognized the importance of local leadership and creating space for people to realize a vision reflected of their community. I attended local meetings and traveled across the country to meet community leaders. I engaged key stakeholders about the Levitt model and inspiring the community-driven efforts to bring the Levitt program to their city. I was building trust because our concept was new. While there was a Levitt venue in Westport, the idea of developing that model in other communities was unknown and unproven. People had never heard of the Levitt Foundation. The idea that local community leaders and I could convince city leaders to agree to a public-private partnership to turn around underused public spaces through free concerts was pie in the sky. During the next few years, I was the only family member, the only person doing the work of the foundation. There was no staff. 
Wow, it sounds like this was a major undertaking, especially for a party of one. I realize that you viewed your work as a partnership with local communities, which helped, I'm sure. But when did you consider bringing in someone in-house to help you? I realized I was going to need that pretty quickly. As interest for the Levitt program grew, it became clear we needed a professional staff to expand the program effectively. I had my eye on Sharon from her earliest days as the executive director of the Levitt Pavilion in Los Angeles. Sharon had the skills and focus to lead the national effort, and I was going to do everything I could to keep that remarkable woman engaged. At that time, I was sitting on the board of the Levitt Pavilion in Los Angeles, and to ask Sharon to resign would have been a conflict of interest. When Sharon expressed her excitement about scaling the program nationally and said she would like to work with me, I was beyond thrilled. My vision for the foundation was taking root. With Sharon's profound understanding of the Levitt program, we began to build organizational infrastructure, determining criteria and best practices for the program. Together, we laid the strategy for expanding the Levitt program into communities across the country. Then we began to build the team. Over the past decade, the team has grown and the program and our grant making have evolved. Having professional staff with expertise and knowledge has been instrumental in creating the impact we've been able to realize in partnership with communities, bringing people together of all ages and backgrounds, expanding the Levitt program across the country and bringing joy to millions of people through free concerts, refining and broadening Levitt programs to deepen impact with a focus on equity, diversity, and inclusion, and fostering a collaborative network of grantees and partners. None of this could be effectively carried out without a professional team in place. I'm ever grateful to Sharon and the Levitt Foundation team who advance the mission of the Levitt Foundation every day. I'm keenly aware that I stand on the shoulders of many. Thanks, Liz. It sounds like you have an amazing team in place, and it was great hearing how you built it together with Sharon. I want to go back to something that you said about you being the yin to your dad's yang. You had a skill set and strategy that was different from his, which allowed you to make a huge impact on how your family was engaging in philanthropy and driving change, of course, with the team that you built. Some of our clients who've been very successful in launching and selling businesses early on in their careers are excited to enter the philanthropic world themselves and start making a difference like your dad did and like you did. What advice would you give to them? And I want to hear from both of you, but Liz, let's start with you. The world of giving is very different from owning and running a company. While it is important to have a clear definition of your philanthropic intent, it's just as important to empower your grantees to own their projects. Guidelines and measures of accountability are reasonable expectations. However, letting go of the reins and trusting others to lead, like those nonprofits that are closest to their communities and their fields, is an essential piece of effective philanthropy. For those of you starting out in philanthropy, I recommend studying various areas of philanthropic giving. 
learn from others, do a deep dive, educate yourself on the work that is being done in communities, in fields, and recognize the expertise of those doing the work. Our job as philanthropists is to support the efforts of on-the-ground leadership. Join organizations where you can meet and learn from your funder, Peter. In Los Angeles, we have Southern California grant makers. They offer workshops, conferences, and resources for philanthropists. It's a terrific resource. And when you're starting out, an organization like that is a godsend. At the national level, there is the National Center for Family Philanthropy. If you are just starting out in the world of philanthropy, ask yourself, what is important to me? What resonates with my values? About which issues do I care passionately? Where would I like to make a difference? Let this empower the arc of your philanthropy. Liz, these are excellent points. I actually think you could teach a class on this. And really, you offer some great <laughs> advice for our great advice for our clients. I especially loved your emphasis on learning from peers and also spending some time on self-reflection, which we talk about a lot what's important to me, what resonates with my values, but also your emphasis on engaging stakeholders to create authentic change. Sharon, I'd love to go deeper with this. Can you give us an example of that community engagement that Liz referenced? Absolutely. A great example is with Levitt Pavilion in Los Angeles. We engaged the owner of a neighborhood restaurant to help form a community advisory council before the venue opened. She was very embedded in the community, both as a business owner and as a civic leader. She has a trust of the community, and that helped bring a range of stakeholders and community members into the project. They informed many aspects of the venue development, programming, and site design. So the project became an authentic reflection of the community. And the Community Advisory Council set the tone for what is now ongoing community engagement that has been essential to the program's impact. Having local voices play a key role in realizing the mission has opened doors to connect with numerous grassroots efforts and form partnerships that have deepened the work of Levitt Pavilion Los Angeles in the community. And I know you use this partnership approach in both of the foundation's key programs, Levitt Venues and Levitt Amp Your City Grant Awards. I'd love to hear more about this. Sure. Like Levitt Los Angeles, all Levitt programs engage the community, are locally driven, and are a holistic reflection of their town or city, from the design of the space to music programming, cultural events, site activation, and they all engage a range of stakeholders, including community members, city leadership, nonprofits, and businesses to bring a concert series to life. As a funder, we embrace a collaborative, cross-sector approach to grant making, recognizing the power of partnership to deepen impact as we were just talking about. We encourage our grantees to position themselves as part of a chain of change in communities, collaborating with other nonprofits, agencies, and groups in a collective effort to elevate the overall well-being of their community. This can lead to macro effects that make the whole greater than the sum of the parts. That's really helpful and it provides a lot of color. I want to pivot for a minute because I know we've talked a bit in the past about how you also bring your grantees together to forge collaboration and learning. I think our clients could really benefit from hearing about this too. 
That's right, Liz. It's not only about the partnerships our grantees have within their communities, but it's also about their connections with each other. We embrace this concept within the Levitt Network as well. We believe there is power in collective purpose. So we support a robust peer-to-peer national network of Levitt grantees and venue partners. We host annual convenings and network events, grantee town halls, equity, diversity, and inclusion trainings, as well as group site visits to Levitt venues. All this fosters community within the Levitt network. So grantees can exchange knowledge and learn from each other, sharing their ideas and experiences with one another. And we also prioritize ongoing dialogue between the foundation and our grantees to better understand their work on the ground. This informs our approach to grant making, which is nimble and responsive to shifting landscapes and the needs of communities, so we can help position our grantees for greater impact. And this includes providing support resources in addition to cash grants, such as toolkits, trainings, best practices, program frameworks. These are all informed by dialogue, as well as data we collect in partnership with our grantees. Your success and impact is so impressive. Given this, I know you've recently made the decision to sunset the foundation in 20 years. We're often asked by our clients how long their giving horizon should be. It's something they ponder when they think of future generations versus making an impact now. I'm already very sad that you're sunsetting, but I'd really love to hear your reasons for this. Liz, why don't we start with you? Tell us about your thinking here. Some foundations, in fact, many family foundations, are vehicles to keep families together through generations. The Levitt Foundation, before it is family-driven, is mission-driven. This really accounts for our decision to realize impact now. With the passing of my mother in 2019, the foundation came into significant funds, and we began to enter a phase of reflection and questioning. Yes, we asked ourselves, what kind of foundation do we want to be? We realized that as a funder, we were missing opportunities to partner with communities in a more entrenched way. We were trying to balance supporting our current grantees more deeply while also expanding our grant making into additional communities. So often we found ourselves having to say no to communities that showed great potential for impactful concert series. We were putting constraints on our funding, we were holding back. And that's because we, like many funders, were careful to protect our principal and had essentially locked our money. This is the case with many foundations, that foundations are only legally obligated to send out 5% of their assets each year. This means that 95% of philanthropic dollars are banked away. These are passive charitable dollars, lying dormant in investment accounts only visible on paper not in the much-needed resources and programs for our communities. So we were asking ourselves, why? Why are we operating this way? Business leaders realize that you have to spend money to make money. In philanthropy, it's the same. You need to spend money to realize impact. So what I'm hearing is we're actually getting more Levitt now for greater impact. Yes. The argument goes, well, if we spend down all this money, there won't be enough to address future problems. But we believe future problems are caused by inadequately addressed current problems. Investments made today 
can have greater value and impact over time. Problems are exacerbated because we do not put enough resources into them now. So recognizing that addressing society's issues for a better tomorrow requires significant investment in the present, we made the decision in 2021 to become a Spend Down Foundation. One of the joys of being the Spend Down Foundation is being able to realize this impact in one's lifetime. I get to see the intentions of my family being carried out and the joy being created by expanding our grant making. Our board spent almost two years discussing this. With each conversation, it became clear this was the way the Levitt Foundation could have the most impact. With great fortune comes great responsibility. The reward in giving is the success of those you empower. It feels so good to see the hope and joy when I am at Levitt shows and convenings. It's really hard to put into words the experience that I am enjoying seeing the impact of the work of the foundation. Well, Liz, I think you were very articulate. I think you did uh, put it into words in a, in a wonderful way. And also just mentioning that you're seeing this during your lifetime, which again, I think it's a lot of our clients get a lot of joy out of that. So thank you both for explaining that thought process with the spend down. I feel much better about it now. Um, it sounds like it was a difficult decision, but you really put tremendous thought into it. And it sounds like you're ultimately making the right decision for the future of the foundation, but not only that, also for the communities that you're working with. Sharon, I want to turn to you for a minute. From everything that I've heard so far, I'm sure you're executing on this in a thoughtful and strategic way. Can you tell us a little more about the tactical side of things to give our clients some guidance who are thinking about spending down? Sure. The first thing to consider is the impact of your giving you would like to see in your lifetime. Currently, only approximately 15% of all foundations are spend-down foundations, though it is a growing area, and that's where a lot of the exciting work is happening in philanthropy. Many of these spend-down foundations are focused on moving the needle on an issue now, such as climate change, disease, critical human rights issues. An arts foundation is a, a rarity among spend-down foundations, though we believe that arts investments specifically free comfort public spaces are an essential component of community life and create opportunity. We've seen the Levitt program positively change the trajectory of communities through economic impact, building social capital, and elevating the well-being of individuals in overall neighborhoods. We believe the significant investments we make over the next two decades will deliver greater impact and smaller investments spread over several decades. So to this point, another important thing to consider is timeline. We decided to spend down over 20 years. This was informed by our current funding commitments and to provide ample time for our current grantees to prepare for sustainability beyond our sunset. We are now in year one of our spend down, and we are currently in strategic planning as we develop new pilot grant programs, identify additional initiatives to fund that align with our priorities, and support the Levitt network more robustly. And our grantees and venue partners will, of course, be involved throughout the process to inform our spend down strategies. For perspective, in the past 20 years, we gave away $20 million in grants. During the next 20 years, we plan to dedicate more than $150 million towards realizing the Levitt mission of building community through music. Wow. 
Yes, it's very exciting. We've mapped out the arc of our giving, when it will accelerate and expand, when it will plateau, and when we will begin to phase out and make departing gifts. In our decision to spend down, we are accelerating new possibilities for communities. We'll be able to multiply our finite resources by sparking additional investments and contributing to exponent change as a catalytic funder across the country. We are planting the seeds and trust that others will come after us to support building community through music as they already have in many communities where free concerts have continued beyond the Levitt Foundation's investment. Sharon, you, Liz, and the whole team are really executing this in a thoughtful and strategic way. I really appreciate you sharing those insights. I want to switch gears with our final question, and I'll end with this because our podcast series is called Living Your Legacy. So, Liz, how would you describe your own legacy, and what role has your work with the foundation had in shaping it? I'd like to think of my legacy as being the pioneer who got the Levitt Network off the ground. We are the only network of free outdoor concerts in the United States. I'm also very proud of empowering the Levitt Network's growth by professionalizing the foundation and being a supportive team player. And I'll interject here to say that Liz is a dream partner. (laughs) Thank you, Sharon. That means so much. The individuals bringing Levitt concerts to life are an incredible group who come together around a shared mission. It is so rewarding to see people excited to realize Levitt programs, and it makes me so happy that these amazing people take such pride in being part of the Levitt Network. I wish all of you a joyful journey in realizing your philanthropic vision. And, as I like to say to my friends, see you at the Levitt. I love it. Liz and Sharon, thank you so much for sharing the story with us today. You've really provided actionable insights and perspective for our listeners. One of my biggest takeaways is the power of partnership, whether it be between your team at the Levitt Foundation or partnering with your grantees or encouraging collaboration among your grantees. Your approach is achieving incredible impact as you've shared with us today. I can't wait to visit my local Levitt Pavilion with my family for a free concert. If any of our listeners are interested in finding a Levitt location near them and or you want to learn more about the foundation, you can visit levitt.org and that's L-E-V-I-T-T.org. Lastly, I want to say thank you to our listeners for sharing in this journey with Liz and Sharon today. Each month, we will be publishing a new episode on Living Your Legacy, which will explore inspiring stories like this one on how others have worked toward defining and contributing to their own legacies. Thank you. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.